Woohoo! Welcome to the Some Work All Play podcast. We are so happy you're here with us today. Um, and before we start, <laughs> a note on audio quality. Megan is currently dealing with a uh, a nose situation. A nose situation. Yeah, that's that what sounds... we're going to call it now. That is the medical terminology for allergies. That is exactly. The... It's not allergies. So I am dealing with this leaky faucet nose that makes my voice a little raspy. Um, and before you worry about my COVID status, I did a workout this morning with a breathe right strip and the air was just flowing up my nose. And it definitely did something weird because I like cannot breathe. <laughs> like I am leaking nose crap. You looked really cool with the breathe right strip on. And I got to be honest, your leaking nose crap, it kind of looks like you know the water park where the water goes down the slide that's kind of what your upper lip looks like right now i was always scared of that as a kid so i it's it's fitting <laughs> but i think like the the wind is coming so far up my nose because of these breathe right strips which are great by the way i may add for performance that i'm a little worried it may be like a csf leak for my brain oh that my the air just tickled my brain on the way up <laughs> you're going you're going way too fast that's the key you got to just slow down to like my tuesday paces and that'll help you out make sure the efforts are truly smooth yeah and we also wanted to uh continue with the theme of the podcast and talk some shit about wild animals um just joking but we have done that in the past i told david he wasn't allowed to make that joke i was like people aren't gonna get it you're not yeah, sarcastic yeah, yeah. enough yeah yeah um it, it's really for the diehard listeners that have heard me uh, talking about moose um but probably if you've if you're listening to this, you might have seen the video of the mountain lion repeatedly charging the trail runner. Um, and what we've seen in, in logs today is a lot of people kind of freaked out about it when they're on their trails, like not going out alone, not doing other things. Um, so to, to respond to that, I looked up death rates from different types of attacks. Also, first of all, wasn't it a cougar, not a mountain lion? Aren't I think they're the same thing. I don't think they're the same thing. They're not the same thing? I don't know. We need to, if we're going to talk shit about wildlife, we better know our well, wildlife. Well, the thing is, I Googled mountain lion fatalities and it came back with, it said cougar fatalities. So I think at least we're reporting with the same same metrics. Even okay, if it's actually, you might be right. Now I'm Maybe. second guessing we'll myself. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I looked it up and in all of North America, in the 100 year period that was being measured, there had been 27 fatalities from mountain lions. It's kind of scary, not downplaying those, those are lives much love to to anyone that's affected um but in, in i also was like curious about other things that kill people and in the google document yeah. i so i logged in this morning just to see the outline for this podcast and david has written 300 um plus thousand or three thousand plus people have died from ant bites and i was like there is no freaking way so i spent eight minutes going down the rabbit hole of researching ant bites and sure enough there is a such thing as fatal anaphylaxis from fire ant stings <laughs> a whole pubmed article on it as a physician you can order a specific blood test for this it's imported fire ant venom specific ige antibodies oh my gosh how crazy is that <laughs> yeah probably get that test quicker than a COVID test in some places. Seriously, learn something new every day. I know. I love it though. I'm looking at the outline right now and Megan has all these studies listed and other things. So probably not going to get in that deep. But then the other thing I Googled was uh, vending machine deaths because I've always heard about that. And from the years 1978 to 1995, there were over 50 deaths from vending machines in the United States. So that's a, it's a pretty large number. That's a pretty hefty number. Yeah. Honestly though, I kind of get it because sometimes you see like the Snickers bar and you're like, and you don't have any money on you now. And you're like, I might die for that Snickers bar. It's a decision tree calculus because you know how sometimes you see like the bags of chips hanging yeah. and you're like, well, that one might be free. Uh, but like, I think if it were salt and vinegar chips, I would give the vending machine a good shape. I know that's where humans' ability to calculate risk uncertainty isn't very good, right? Because if you told me it was a 0.5% chance I died from going for that salt and vinegar, I'd consider it. That's pretty high. Yeah, like yeah. No. But yeah, if you, I mean, no, if you do it enough, it's it, it won't work out for you. But oh, that's, I mean, yeah, one in 200. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have, 
uh, tried that with vending machines. A lot of people use my risk analysis. Um, no, we're just joking around. Obviously, mountain lions are scary as heck, and we. I'll probably see one tomorrow and it'll like charge me and, you know, maul me or something. But basically what we're trying to convey is that, you know, there's a lot of risks and uncertainty and things we can't control. If you are scared, that is totally okay. I mean, I'm scared too. Megan's scared too of, of, of a lot of different things, but um, also to like live your life and try to live fully while you're here, especially when it comes to things like that are fully outside of our control, like mountain lions. And one last point on this topic. So I just had this conversation with an athlete in their log and I was telling them about how I would run on trail sometimes at 4 a.m. in California. And my go-to mechanism for this was to play Beyonce on my phone <laughs> and and sing it because a I was comforted by Beyonce. She's the ultimate yeah. comfort comfort music. But I think it, it helped keep ward off the mountain. Lions. Yeah, I remember we did a run at like four a.m. up Black Mountain where we were singing and dancing the whole time. It was a great run. I think the California mountain lions are well versed in single ladies. Yeah, that's true. They know all the lyrics. Yeah, actually, and I also remember that. Maybe it was mountain lion. Maybe it was a bear that was scared off. Somebody actually played Metallica. So we're we're not we're bringing the mountain lions much better vibes. I was I mean, gonna say I would be scared of Metallica. I know. I feel like if you play that enough for the mountain lions, they're gonna become much more aggressive. Play more Beyonce, they'll be chill as hell. Awesome. And uh, the the other thing we got a great email today that was someone that set up a happy runner watch setting. Um, so whoever's listening out there who did that, amazing. We love it. Um, and what it is, it's a screen on their watch that just shows the map and a heart. Um, and that was like the coolest thing ever. And we thought it was an interesting story because it really does apply to performance, like how you set up your watch, how you view your metrics and how you view yourself does determine how your physiology ends up adapting. Um, and the, the story that I always love is back in 2015, Strava briefly had like an algorithm issue or something because everyone's runs got really fast. Well, and there were some dead zones. So yeah, there, yeah. Were dead, there were zones where it was like clearly wrong. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it, was, it wasn't so wrong that it was like fully obvious. It just had people going a little bit faster all the time. And the coolest thing in coaching, people got so much faster, like in reality in races after that fact. Um, and we see that all the time. Like there, there are other places where GPS uh, has dead zones where it, it goes way slower. And often with those athletes, they'll have trouble and get a little bit slower over time. So, um, you know, we I think we probably need to develop like swap watches so that people can use. I would love that. Well, I would love to see also a PT watch that just says engage your glutes. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like I mean PTs are amazing. I we send lots of athletes to PTs, but I feel like when I read PT evaluations, yeah. 98% of them are like athlete needs to engage their glutes. I don't think anyone's ever been able to engage their glutes. More people have died of mountain lion attacks than have ever been able to engage their glutes according to the most of the things I see from boom and by proxy fire ants. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And we could also do, we, we wrote down some ideas. Uh, the speed watch, obviously that tells you you're faster. The, the most obvious one would be an affirmation watch that every time you lap it out, just says like, you're a boss or you're amazing or woohoo or whatever. I love that. Well, my personal dream is a Nelly watch. That's just like shake a tail feather. Oh, that would be I could, good. I could, I would every time I would hit laps so often there would be like 60 different laps on my Strava, <laughs> my Strava profile. The problem with the Beyonce watch is everyone would overtrain because they'd be running like pure VO2 max all the time because she's that cool. She is pretty darn cool. Um, and then the last big thing we wanted to talk about today is a big in the introduction in the introduction is the is our big recommendation this week which is the show ted lasso on apple plus like this isn't a joke or a soft recommendation this is like no matter who you are watch it 
because it resonates so deeply with so many people. And it wasn't until I heard about it on Brene Brown's podcast, um, and she said it was her favorite show ever, that I was like, okay, I really need to start uh, getting out there and preaching about this show because it, it meant that much to me and seeing it mean that much to her. And then so many of the athletes that told us we should watch it before we did, um, you know, I, I think that it's a show for everyone. That is a strong David Roach endorsement yeah. right there. I have never seen you endorse something quite that strongly. Well, I think it'll make sense when people see Ted Lasso too, because he's a coach. He really doubles down on his love and enthusiasm and all that stuff. But, um, you know, the big thing about to, to know is that the creators went into this show and the sh what the show's about is a U.S. football coach goes to the English Premier League to coach soccer, uh, you know, fish out of water story, blah, blah, blah. But um, what star Jason Sudeikis said on Brene Brown's podcast is that um, Ted is egoless. He allows for people to be themselves and reflect what they think he is, but really what they are. Um, so the moral of the story is that Ted, the, this coach, isn't trying to change people. He's just trying to give people this confidence to accept themselves so that they can be their best version, like the version of themselves that's there. And I mean, if there's anything we've learned in coaching in life, it's like all of us have this beauty within us um, and it'll look totally different for each person. But like by by being that support system, you can really let that shine. I love that. Also, I'm going to put an asterisk next to egoless. I think we touched upon this in our book, The Happy Runner, but I think you have to have some baseline yeah. level of ego not to get eaten by a mountain lion, like to survive like all of these like natural issues that happen in our world. So it's like not fully egoless, yeah. but like as close to egoless as is livable. Yeah. Ted, the character is a real person. Like he goes through trauma and, and, and sadness and anger. Um, but I think he's like the best version of all of us when it comes to that, like the version that we strive toward, like the enlightened version. Um, so there were three big themes from this. And even if you've never watched the show or don't care about that, um, I think that these themes apply to everyone. Um, and the first one we wanted to highlight was just the idea of forgiveness. Um, and I think sometimes forgiveness falls away in these discussions. Like people forget that the power to forgive is a choice we are all making. Um, so there are obviously things that might be unforgivable. Um, but for the most part, there's this great strength that can come from being the first to be forgiven, being so aggressively, um, you know, straightforward with it. Like I, I know with my big issues, I sometimes hold grudges. And what Megan's helped me develop through is just forgive those grudges. Like those things you're worried about, especially as it relates to like coaching or, or criticism or whatever, they don't matter. And if you forgive, you lift up that other person too. I love that so much. I think for me, the biggest thing I've been trying to work on is forgiving myself. Yeah. I lend forgiveness very easily to other people. Like I yeah, I don't think I've ever not forgiven someone. It's the coolest thing ever. Like you, it's almost like you're another Ted Lasso thing. You're like a goldfish. You forget almost, but it's not forgetting. It's like you actively go out of your way to be like, oh, I want to give this person every benefit of the doubt. And it's so inspiring. But I'm the opposite with myself. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what sort of animal would be the exact opposite, but that's-, that's Elephants, how... right? They remember, Ooh, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe pigs. Pigs are pretty smart. Yeah, pigs are pretty smart. I think elephants are like known to remember. Like that's actually a saying, so- Interesting, but I don't extend that to myself. And I think what I was thinking about this earlier is, is like- it's almost everything. So like if you attach the phrase enough, so like yeah. I often think about like yesterday I was like, Ugh, I'm not productive enough. I'm mm -hmm. not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. And it's like, I, my goal in life coming up is just to forgive myself, like forgive myself for the enoughs. Yeah. And to love that part of yourself too. Yeah. Like that's what we talked about a lot last night. It's like, you know, we all have whatever they are, things are within us. Like I, I know I have so much of that stuff. And the point isn't to be like, oh, I need to fight this. Because if you fight that, you are fighting yourself. Um, the point is just to be like, hey, whatever this thing is. I'm going to give you a hug. Yeah, yeah. We're, exactly. We're and I th we say the thing all the time, like, you are enough. Yeah. And it's 
I, I mean, we we say that fully knowing that this is something we're working on, and that's been a big mission of mine. Yeah. So forgiveness is the first thing, um, and and apply that to your relationships first. Uh, forgive your partner as hard as you can, as quickly as you can. I mean, something we talk about a lot, and we're even getting... for the stupid things, like the yeah. fact that your man cave is a freaking disaster. Right yeah, now. yeah. Or the the serious things that are very bad. Like try to for, stand up for yourself, but also try to forgive. Um, second thing is belief. Um, and this is probably the biggest thing from Ted Lasso. There's a big sign in the show. Um, it, it, apply, it applies throughout. Um, and, and the story I was telling about is like when you think about how you can ha- help others believe um, is what Megan told me way back in the day. Um, I had never really considered that coaching can be my thing. And we were at the we were at the breakfast table one day drinking coffee at 5 a.m. working, and I was coaching. And Megan's like, David, you should do this. Like whatever has you doing what you're doing right now, smile. Like I was chuckling every other thing. And it's like all of a sudden a weight just like evaporated from my shoulder. It's like, wait, you're right, Megan. That belief is what it took. And so thank you for that. It was clear that you loved it so much. And it became, it was an easy suggestion for me because it was like, well, this is obvious. And it's funny how like, I think often what's obvious for us is not obvious for someone else. And sometimes just like stating the obvious gives someone that weight, you know, it it takes off that weight off their body of like, you know, struggling to think about whatever. I mean, your power to do that for me throughout my life has been the coolest thing. Like I, I see that now with writing and stuff, you know, writing is the ultimate thing of like, is this any good? Every single time I send you something, you make it so much better with edits, but then you also are just like, Hell yeah, that's great. And that's what but I mean. It's funny to me because I'm like, how do you not know this? Like, isn't this obvious? <laughs> but you? you do that for everyone. It's not just my writing. It's like everyone you meet. And that's why you're the best coach and why the, you're such a great research coordinator and all these other things you do in life. And so thank you. Um, and it means a lot to me. Well, I think for me, the biggest time that like you you had me believe was, so when I was applying to medical school, I was just looking at East Coast schools. Like yeah. I think for whatever reason, like my family was on the East Coast. I've always been on the East Coast and had no concept of even like applying to West Coast schools. And you're like, hey, Megan, like, why don't you apply to Stanford? You fit. You seem to fit a lot of these descriptions. Yeah. It seems like a great environment. So I went to the medical school student forums and read everything there was on every medical school and like what people were saying. And I was like, Oh, Megan, you, everything Stanford wants is you. It, which is funny because I was so anxious that I couldn't read the forums. I, I couldn't get anywhere close to this. Yeah. I would read one sentence and my heart rate would get to 140. So I appreciate you doing the work <laughs> on my behalf. But yeah, anyways, like, fast forward, like I applied, uh, went out there, interviewed. We ran in um, the brand headlands. Yeah, yeah. And that was actually before I even did the interview. And I was like, I want to, if I get in, I want to come here. This and I thought what was amazing. so cool is that after you went, they valued all the things that made you uniquely you, you know? And so that was super cool. And then, you know, as belief, like the hard part of belief is that we all want to judge ourselves all the time. And so, you know, those self judgment voices try to start getting aware of them. And it's not that you can turn them off. Like we said before, you're not fighting these thoughts, you're loving these thoughts. So, you know, as I, I think about it with writing all the time, like I am judging myself, judging myself. And I'm like, no, 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 stop that. This is great. You're good. You're good. Just do it. Um, and, and keep trying to keep that process going. Um, and then the final big thing that we really want to underscore that has nothing to do with Ted Lasso really in the big scheme of things is love and love being the most powerful force in the world. Um, love can be applied to romantic relationships or it can be applied to anything else, whether it's coaching or your work or, or whatever. But what love is, is accepting someone or something fully for what it is, not fighting it and trying to change it, but accepting it and trying to let it shine. Um, and, and I think the show like really brings that out. That's so beautiful. I think for me, I think love is the closest thing that we have to a superpower. Yeah. Like, to love and be loved is a, a full superpower. And I love what you say too about the fact that it's not just 
a significant other or a partner. Yeah. Like you can love like your close friends. Heck, I love Addy Dog. Yeah. I mean, a level that is extreme. And she's just like an amazing creature. And I think it's like it's just such a powerful emotion that when things are tough, like yeah. you lean on that. And-, and love is openness, it's expansiveness, it's all these other things, right? It's just opening up to the world. It's saying yes. And like that we all have that power, even when it doesn't feel that way, like we, even when it's not applied to a specific person, when it's a general thing. And so in the show, Ted Lasso, um, there's this like viral video in the world where when Ted Lasso was coaching American football, he's dancing with his players after they won a national championship. And that that's kind of like the origin story of the whole thing. And it brought me back so much to when Megan and I were at the Western States finish line last year and got to see our best friends, Claire and Matt and Kat and Liz and all these other people, um, have great days and also bad days. And, we got to celebrate with them, you know, and all, I mean, I cried my eyes out that day. You did too. And it's one of those moments where it's like, love is celebration and and lifting others up. And it's so cool to think that we have this power within us, but you just have to spread it as far and wide as you can. And I think the cool part of that too, is the fact that if you love people truly, and I think coaching is like a great journey on that, is that their successes become your successes. And it's like, you're just like increasing your chances to have all of these amazing experiences through other people that you truly care about. Yeah, I love that. And so all this stuff is really hard. And I think what's so powerful about Ted Lasso is that he goes through the lowest lows and is still able to spread love, to give forgiveness, and to engender belief in himself and others. And so we can't all do that all the time, but write those three things down and try to like do what you can each day to move that needle just a little bit towards love. The uh, So yesterday was Monday and David went out for his rest day walk yeah. and I put a Ted Lasso believe sign, <laughs> yeah. uh, scotch tape to our bathroom mirror. And I think it, it brings me joy well, every time I look so at it. So then it took me like uh, two hours to go to the bathroom. Yeah, of course. And and when I did, I saw it and I just, I didn't even go to the bathroom. I went straight to Megan and gave her the biggest hug and kiss because seeing that believe sign brought me back to everything you've done for me. And it just, I'm so thankful for that. It's very cute to see your emotions right here right now. I, I can, I'm sitting next to you and I'm like, I just feel these emotions yeah. swirling. Thank you for that. <laughs> is it stirring your loins? Whoa, that is <laughs> yeah. awkward. That went too far. That went way too I far. I tried to break it down with a joke and it did not work. Okay, great. Let's get to the question. Um, it's on balance and stress. Megan, do you want to read? Sure. This is from DC. I just started my 1L year of law school. Shout out, David. I'm doing environmental law and it has been hard. I find myself feeling like there are truly not enough minutes in the day and the anxiety is a lot to manage. I know you both have gone through intense professional school programs. Law school and med school are about as intense as as it can be, I bet. And I guess what I'm looking for is perspective on how you handled the running school life balance during those years. Sometimes it's just nice to hear from other people who have been through it. You read that so well. I did not transcribe it perfectly from the email. And there were some moments where Megan just was like clipping and it was very impressive. Oh, thank you. Well, it's actually, this podcast is improving my reading skills. I get a little less horrified now. Yeah. Like, you know, middle school and they'd be like popcorn Megan. Yeah. My heart rate would go to 160. And now I say my heart rate's probably down to 100. So. Yeah. It's like reading under pressure is the key. Um, so the first thing we have to say to the questioner anyone else dealing with balance and life stress is that the big thing to remember, you got this. We got this. Like um, there are 24 hours in the day. Time only passes quickly in retrospect. You, We can all do this. We can fit it in. We can make it happen. But we have to stand up to people that say that you can't do it all. You can't do all these things. Like you can totally make it happen. Um, and there are a lot of different ways you can do it. And I think we've both encountered that in life. Like people who 
every pot, every like point in our journey, you're like, oh no, you can't do this. This, this is impossible. I remember going into like this med school prep interview yeah. and someone was like, you can't run in med school. Like what are you going to have to decide? And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, I'm, I yeah. love running. Like I can wake up early. I think I'll be fine. And sure enough, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there, there are times when, you know, we got a lot of questions about parenting actually. And the reason we're not addressing that directly is, you know, when you have a creature who's like life and death relies upon you, it's a little bit different. I mean, we can put our creature Addie in a crate. Um, we can also feed her endless amounts of cinnamon toast crunch and she seems to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we can do that with children. So for the people with questions about parenting, like this might not always apply to those things, but maybe you can find some analogies. Um, so we wrote down five tips um, that are related to th this like balance element that we've really seen matter. Um, so the first tip is to decide how much time it takes each day to reach your goals and then to compartmentalize your days. Um, so the example here, um, it's almost like an apocryphal story at this point, but when Megan was in medical school, she was on surgery residency and doing other, or not residency, what is it called? Rotations. Rotations. Um, yeah, I'm like having flashbacks and forgetting Surgery things. residency would be horrifying. I thought about that yeah, briefly, yeah, yeah. but uh, never. Maybe this doesn't apply to surgery residents. Um, and what she would do is like, because her day started at 5.30 or 6 in the hospital, right? Like to do your bigger workouts, you would have to wake up at 3 a.m. And what that is, is like you were deciding how much time it took and then planning backwards. Like, and then, but after you did your run or strength or whatever, you just got off the clock. Um, and I think that that's the big thing to start with is if you're going to do this stuff, you got to determine how much time it's going to take put it in the day and schedule it just like a meeting and be like, this is my time to do this thing um, as an athlete. And then after you're off that, no more. Like you're you're done. You don't have to think about it anymore. I love that. And I think the big thing for me was, is I probably could have run at the end of the day after surgery rotation and it would have been at a much more reasonable human hour. Yeah. So something like 7 p.m., 6 p.m., but I think for me, I was thinking about spending the entire day on feet, stressed, having like weird eating, like weird times for lunches, breakfast. Yeah. And for me, it was much better just to get it done in the morning, knowing that it was done. And like you said, just not think about it. Yeah. And it's funny, actually, today I still have the alarm from 2.30 in the morning. So actually, sometimes I was on the treadmill at 3. Yeah. And it says, uh, don't be a surgeon. It's a, good, <laughs> it's a good reminder. And then counter to that now are all these adventure alarms, like the mountains are calling. Oh, yeah, at and, the like, same fun. time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's so cool. And I think like as it applies to... The law, student, law school questioner, it's like, there is enough time, but you just have to make sure that it is as important to you as other things, right? And, and I think that that might be the hardest part of compartmentalizing your days like this, is that often it'll be like, well, running's not that important. This test is more important or whatever else I have to do or the social engagement's more important. It's like, no, what you find meaning in matters. It really matters. And so betting on yourself through athletics is a really important thing. So, you know, what Megan, Megan would do that, she, I remember. So alarm would go off at 3 a.m. She would always roll over immediately and she would go grab a usually chocolate or something um, and then start dancing as her warm up. And I, I was like, oh, wow, that is the coolest thing ever. You forgot the step. There was a lot of coffee involved in there this. Was. It would, it, this would have been impossible to do without coffee. Yeah, also, it, the morning snack was uh, Cliff, the, the kids' Z-bars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're great to just like eat and then go do something immediately after. Also, that is when SWAT like really took off because I would go out with Megan because it's it wasn't too safe where we were. So I would go out with um, Addie and we'd fetch while she was running. Megan would run loops around a one-third of a mile, a little dirt 
dirt track area. And uh, it was great because I had so much time in the day. I was like, wow, what am I going to do? The world is my oyster. That was the ultimate definition of love. And I, I appreciate you doing that for me. But it brings me back to the point of wildlife. The wildlife I am most scared of is the human species yeah. at 3 a.m. So there, we had some creepy people sometimes wandering through our complex at that hour. And having you out there was just, it was so helpful to know that someone else was out oh there watching over me. I can't even imagine. It's, it's so hard to be a female runner, transgender runner, anything like that that has to worry about that. And that's a topic for another day. But um, I know. would love to do a topic on yeah. that. Um, yeah, we'll do a female specific episode at some point. Um, number two, never snooze your alarm. Stick root, stick with the routine. Um, so yeah, this is possibly Megan's biggest superpower is she never snoozed at 3am, even when she was dead tired. And the point isn't to say like, oh, you can never snooze. The point is just to say, you need to, you need to have some internal accountability mechanism where, um, you don't like let yourself off the hook for, you know, backing away on these days about things that matter to you long-term. I was going to say, I think the snooze is just a larger metaphor yeah. for all of the life decisions that come along the way. Uh, I will say two things. So one, having a dog is very helpful yeah. on this point. So as soon as Addie heard the alarm, she would jump into bed and lick my face. I was like, well, I guess it's and time to like, get up. I guess breakfast is at 3 a.m. now. You better wake me up. The other point is a small caveat that sometimes not hitting snooze actually doesn't work well. And I'd say like maybe two times in the last five years, I have just fallen right back yeah. asleep. And because there's no snooze, I have no accountability mechanism and that has not gone well. But I do remember one time either that happened or the alarm wasn't set or something didn't, the alarm didn't go off or whatever. And I woke up and it was 5 a.m. And I turn over and I, I, I like tell Megan and Megan's like, no, because it was her one thing that was for her during the day and she couldn't do it that morning. So. Is that what it sounded like? I don't think so. That's I think a little there, horrifying. I think there was like an earthquake of like uh, punching the, the bed at that point. Um, but yeah, and then we also apply that to things like workouts. Like obviously snooze your, definitely snooze. Don't even set your alarm if you're sick or you're tired or you need sleep. Like think about that ahead. But the same thing applies for workouts. It's like if you are not healthy, you know, don't do a workout. Don't back off a workout, back off or DNF a race. But if you are healthy, um, finish your workouts, even if you need to slow down, because once that door opens up for you to be like, oh, well, I can back out of this if I don't want to do it this one time, it comes easier. It becomes easier and easier and easier to walk through that door. So you don't have to worry about it. Like, we all miss it sometimes, even when we're not, when we're healthy, but like, don't make it a habit right? Because as soon as it becomes a habit, it becomes, it slowly over time unravels. And I think the more cumulative, like the more that you accumulate these circumstances where you've done that and you've not hit snooze, I think it becomes like a mini life superpower, not as strong as the love superpower, yeah. but it, it gives you that confidence that you can do hard things. And I think that's something that's powerful. Yeah. So much mental toughness. And so the corollary to that is that don't practice self-criticism to really give yourself the unlimited amounts of love and forgiveness that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, as it applies specifically to training, like don't worry about your pace. Don't evaluate yourself. Don't do anything like that. Megan would train by heart rate back then. So anecdotally, I've seen that if I run before 6 a.m., um, my heart rate at a given pace is often quite different. So my my workouts in the early a.m. may be 20 or 30 seconds uh, per yeah. mile slower, which is pretty significant when you think about it. And that's just, I mean, it's at the same effort as I would midday or at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. or whatever it may be. Yeah. And so, you know, with your athletics, it's like this stuff really matters, but you're going to have really rough days and you can't, you just got to be aggressively loving to yourself. And th that also applies to the, pro the, um, law school or med school or your busy job or whatever it is. You have to be like, look, I'm good. I'm a freaking boss. I got swag. Um, even when, you know, you're letting your, your, you know, some things will fall by the wayside, right? My favorite um, example of this is productivity. So yeah. I think I often have a lot of self-criticism when it comes to productivity, but I think the more and more I've gone through this, the more I've learned that 
on days that I'm really productive, I have a hard time being creative. Like I think productivity and creativity are often on like opposing spectrums. And I've just learned to embrace the days that are less productive and being like, well, today's going to be a creative day. For example, today is a very creative day. Yeah, yeah, you've been rocking it. Yesterday, I probably worked from 4.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. And by the end of the day, I could hardly communicate. Actually, David, (laughs) last night, you were kind of annoyed with me. You were like, Megan, why can't you speak? (laughs) But today, today is, you know, not a great productivity day, but I'm being productive in other ways, like these creative ways, these energized ways. And I think it's important to think about that. Balance. Yeah. And the yin and yang, like the inhale, exhale. Like I think if something continually grows, like if you continually work, continually are productive, continually nail, never snooze your alarm, like that thing will consume itself alive. My um, inhale, exhale is not going well right now. My, yeah. with my current nose situation, I'm just like inhaling air, exhaling CSF. <laughs> yeah. I love that so much. Okay. Topic or point four, which I think is really important, make training and work fun. Um, this is a big thing for us. Like I, I think play is what it's all about. If any of this stuff stops becoming, isn't play, then it'll be unsustainable. Um, so that applies to your work. Most of all, like some things are just a drudge, but you can find, you can be that, that air traffic controller that's dancing or whatever, as much as you possibly can. And surrounding yourself with people who have that same approach. Yeah. I think it's like, for me, like our household is total play. And that's been something that like you've emphasized over time. And it's helped me. Actually, we were on a, we were on a podcast yesterday and all of a sudden Megan got distracted and started like chuckling under her breath. And I realized that at some point in time, Megan had drawn a diagram of notes and I had uh, explicitly doodled on it. Um, and she just saw it like three months later. So yeah, that was our element of play that day. It was it was super funny. But I think also too, like not like sometimes I've been the one where I'm working on a serious research team and I have to be that person to inject play. And sometimes when I'm in a subordinate position or a junior position, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I should be the one. But yeah. I, usually it's well received. Yeah. And I mean, that's what life's about is is like finding the play. Um, you know, like there's so much uncertainty with everything we do. Um, onto that uncertainty, we like to map things like productivity, like crushing law school or being the best doctor or being the best partner or being the best runner. But all this stuff, it's just to like find meaning in the day, right? And so in finding that meaning, yeah, you can be serious about your studies or your athletics or your relationships or whatever, like all that stuff really matters. But what really matters the most is like, finding what's meaningful to you and going for it, going for it full steam, because that's what it's all about. And I'm surprised you haven't brought up this point yet, because this is a point you bring up often. Yeah. And it's funny that I'm the one bringing oh, no. this up, but it's like, when you're thinking about finding the meaning in this way, it's like, well, we're all going to die. So why not be here to enjoy the ride to like make the most of it with others? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so cliche and I laugh, I'm laughing that you did that, but um, you know, if we are all falling towards the abyss, right? Like if you're really getting- There's the abyss. The abyss made it into oh the podcast. Oh my gosh, I hear about the abyss all the time. <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of uh, seriousness there. Um, but yeah, if we're all falling into the abyss, like the point isn't to avoid that or to like try to get like a jetpack or anything. The point is to be Ted Lasso, to light up some things and get everyone around you and just try to like laugh as much as you can on your way down. That's amazing. I love that so much. Awesome. And I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> I love you, Megan. And I we love all you guys. Woohoo! Thanks so much.